Yemei Chabad is the 23rd day of Elul. And this is in the year Tofresh uh, Sadiq Zayin, which is um, in 19, uh, um, 1937. Uh, 1937 uh, is the passing of the great genius rabbi, Reb Meir Shloyme the Rebbe. Um, he was the Rebbe's mother's father, and uh, he was an outstanding scholar, a great genius, in both in the revealed and the Hasidic parts of the Torah. His Yorzit is on the 23rd day of Elul. Um, he took over after the passing of his grandfather, who was the Rav, the Rabbi, of the city of Nikolaev, which was a very Jewish city at the time, and he became the, uh, his, uh, followed him, and he became the rabbi after his passing, based on the special instruction by his grandfather, who said that his grandson should take over his uh, place. Now, the Rebbe would honor his grandfather by saying Kaddish on the 21st, 23rd day of Elul, the Rebbe would say Kaddish because I guess that was the only really um, survivor who would say Kaddish after his grandfather. Uh, the Rebbe related in the talks when he would talk about his grandfather, and the Rebbe also spent a lot of summers in his youth. Uh, he would go with his uh, with his mother back to her home into Nikolaev, and uh, the Rebbe has a lot of uh, given over a lot of stuff from those days during the year throughout the years. Uh, the Rebbe has related that after the wedding of his grandfather, the uh, Meir Shloyma Yanovsky, uh, he uh, became uh, of what is known as the people called the Yeshvim. They were zitzers, meaning uh, before they had an organized form of a kolel like we have today. Uh, a kolel today, mostly, I mean, they use the word kolel for various different things. But the traditional meaning of the word kolel would mean that after one finished studies, before he gets married, and after... Uh, marriage, a person would continue to study for a year or two or five, whatever it is, they would go to the kolel. The kolel would be a name for people where they study after they get married. But in those days, there was no formal thing like that. They would call them yoshvim. They would call them zitzers in Yiddish, meaning those who sit. What would happen is that after one would get married, they would go and spend several months or whatever it was, a year, half a year, a year, um, and they would travel to the Rebbe, and they would be with the Rebbe, and there they would spend time studying, etc. So the Rebbe related that the Rebbe Maharash, specifically, that was, again, the Rebbe Maharash was the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was the youngest of the seven sons of the Tzemach Tzedek, who was the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, who was a grandson of the Alter Rebbe, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, Yushner Zaman. So the Rebbe Maharash, he, his conduct was in a very, very 
wealthy and he 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 lived you know like in a uh, spent and everything was in a high class everything was very done in a in a rich way in a very uh, married a rich girl, woman. well the that doesn't say uh, well the truth is it's not like other people had the ability to also it's not so much how much money it's just how they chose to live their lives so he says like for example all the utensils everything in the home and the use of the Rebbe Maharash was made out of gold it was like he had two golden watches one from the right and one from the left I'm assuming in the old days they have like those watches with the chains, you know, connected. Yeah, pocket watches. Pocket watches, yeah, one yeah. with the right, one left. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. It just says here that two golden, one from the right and one for the left. And they used to uh, smoke these uh, cigars or, or cigarettes. And that had a golden pipe. The piece in the mouth was, the mouth was made out of gold. His... Uh, they used to have these uh, sniff, they used to sniff tabak. Uh, so that's bak, the snuff. That tabak was also made out of gold. Uh, his carriage was covered with gold. His dress was beautiful garments. And even his stick, they used to walk with a stick. The uh, knob, the head of the stick was made out of gold. So he says, when my grandfather came back to Nikolaev after staying with the Rebbe Maharash, and he related how the uh, Rebbe lived in such a uh, luxurious, almost, almost way, uh, conduct. So one of the people that was listening said to the Rebbe, said to my grandfather, why does the Rebbe conduct himself in such expense in such a wide way, uh, it wouldn't it be better for the Rebbe to give the money for tzedakah and he should just be sufficient with eating uh, just little bread and uh, some water as the Jewish people in exile, you know, just uh, the why is he living such an extravaganza kind of a lifestyle. And uh, my grandfather said in Yiddish, petach, petach, meaning full, full, he was saying to him, to the guy who asked the question. He says, who do you think for whom was gold, was gold created in the world? Is gold for me? For you? Or maybe it's for the goyim? Lahavdul? It's for a tzaddik like him. That's why gold is there in the world. I mean, this is sort of paraphrasing also what the Mishnah and the Talmud says uh, that the world was not fit really to have gold. Gold was sort of an, an item that the world would not have, but it's made for the base Hamikdash. So the Mishkan, the sanctuary, and they use gold over there. That's why gold was created, and because of that, everybody else has gold. In a similar way, he's saying to him that the gold is meant to be used for the uh, people, for the tzaddiki, for the righteous people, not for for other people. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Uh, the um, Rebbe at one uh, gathering explained uh, at great length the meaning of his name. His name was Meir Shloima. And the Rebbe said like this. What does it mean? Meir Shloima. So he says like this, that in one hand, the Rebbe was talking about his grandfather. He said, 
he was like a, a very uh, situation. He was like exalted. And he was a uh, person which was beyond, you know, getting involved in the world, being a great intellectual, and being involved with one who was sitting at the Rebbe Marash's uh, study hall over there, the Yoshim, that meant that he was somebody who was, in a way, separated and beyond the commoners or beyond the people. But on the other hand, he was actually a rabbi in the city of Nikolaev, which meant that he needed to instruct the people and to give them advice, because a rabbi did not only give rulings, but he would also advise people in business matters, and he would have to have dealings with the government, it was all a part, a part of the rabbi's job, these things. And yet he had the combined this greatness, this aloofness together with that down-to-earth connection. And he says, by the Rebbe, by, the, by his grandfather, this was not a contradiction, but on the contrary, his greatness as being one of the sitters by the Rebbe Maharaj continued throughout his lifetime and his entire work with the city was based and it was penetrated with that feeling of being a Yosha being by the Rebbe Marash he was able to bring it down into his level so that that is who the uh, yard site is Rameir Shlevyanovsky is the grandfather of the Rebbe and the Rebbe as I mentioned used to say Kaddish in this day and uh, like I said, uh, the Rebbe had very fond memories and had very uh, special um, uh, connections, relationship with his grandfather. I remember one time the Rebbe saying, uh, giving over by a uh, uh, Fabrengan that the, uh, he wasn't such a, he was talking about the businessman, the Rebbe was talking about that his grandfather, I believe that that was the case, I heard it from the Rebbe, that he used to also uh, deal with, before the Yom Tov, before Sukkot, he used to deal with Estrogim, you know, sell Lulav and Estrog. And that was supposed to mean to supplement the rabbi's income. You know, rabbis in those days weren't on big salaries. Uh, they didn't uh, make uh, no uh, big, big money. So they um, would have other kinds of ways of making some, helping them with the income. So one of the things the rabbis would do, they would sell lulav and esrog uh, for, or I'm not sure, the lulav, mainly the esrog. So, um, and it was the tradition also. And I was, I, as I was growing up, uh, we would always go to the rabbi and buy the etrog and, uh, and you know, whatever the rabbi gave, that was the etrog, you know. We didn't question it, then we just use it. That was part of the of the income of the rabbi. So his grandfather, the rabbi's grandfather, Rabbi Shloyme, used to also sell the shroikim. But the rabbi said he wasn't a, a real businessman. So when the person come in, comes in to buy an esrik, and he's already made his choice, he wants to get esrik, I guess he got a couple of choices. And his grandfather would say to him, you sure you want this esrik? I mean, you know, you may have a, a, a spot over here. <laughs> he, he was supposed to try to sell him the Ezra and he, he just did just the opposite. He sort of tried to talk find, for, talk him out of it. And, you know, that was his parnasa. And still he tried to, uh, that was his way of, of dealing with the world. But they, these were, you know, a very, very special, great tzaddikim. 
And um, so the day of his yard is really very special and should be remembered to 